Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Jim Van Dyke, the co-founder and CEO of Breach Clarity, one of the companies that won Best of Show at Finnovate West back in November. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Greg, it's great to be here. Thank you. Excellent. So for anybody who hasn't watched your demo video yet, obviously, you struck a chord with the audience. But can you give us just a quick one-minute intro on Breach Clarity and where you guys are coming from? Uh, my whole career is in fintech. As a product manager, I started and ran a company called Javelin Strategy and Research that mainly uh, provided research to big credit unions and banks. And then I became the main expert witness on most of the big data breaches you hear in the news. So like Equifax, Yahoo, Facebook, all those. And while I was working on those, I made a very surprising discovery that I decided had to become a fintech product. And that is that we can take information that breached entities like the, you know, the Equifaxes or whatever the world, what they have to disclose about the breach, we can put that into an algorithm, which I wrote, and it's, and it's called Breach Clarity. And so I discovered that I, can, that I can use this information, this fintech tool that FIs can install within digital banking to finally start to treat consumers as individuals and end this debilitating condition of giving consumers one-size-fits-all financial advice, which everybody ignores, and instead create a more profitable relationship. So that's my background and how Breach Clarity came to exist. It's really interesting. And obviously, your expertise on this is easy to see and easy to validate. If anybody's uh, doubting Jim, you can easily look him up online and see his experience there. But what I really like you know, is, is the way that you kind of focus on the breaches. And one of the core aspects is that the breaches, just to be clear, they're not necessarily occurring at a specific financial institution, right? They're occurring outside of the doors. You know, We heard about the Target breach a little while ago. You hear about the Equifax breach, which is obviously really... Um, public and, and easy to identify. But most of the times when a consumer's data is out there on the web, it's not the fault of the financial institution who put it out there, but it's something that they have to deal with anyway, right? It's their customer. It can lead to some things on their side. So I want to get started by really just kind of unpacking this word breach, because I think a lot of people don't really engage with the space uh, or who don't really engage with the space view a data breach as a single isolated incident. And I mean, I suppose to some extent that's true, but breaches don't unfold in a neat timeline. And in many cases, there can be a really substantial amount of time between the breach itself, a company becoming aware of the breach, and then of course, their customers becoming aware of it. Can you walk us through that breach timeline or or maybe just kind of the steps of a data breach from discovery to solution? Sure. And let me start by dispelling a myth that maybe our name even confuses people with. Breach clarity is not about stopping the breaches. Breaches will be going on forever. (laughs) It's just reality. And the, uh, the breached data that is creating banks and credit unions fraud problem and identity theft and fraud in new accounts, but especially existing accounts, it's not being breached by the banks and the credit unions. It's being breached somewhere else an online merchant, a government entity, an educational institution, unemployment government provider, whatever. 
So we're about not stopping the breach, but rather an algorithm created for my expert witness work that says, given that these breaches are happening day in and day out, let's understand for any particular breach that any unique consumer has been in, what breaches has, has a consumer been in, how or what unique risk pattern does any particular consumer face? Like is one consumer more at risk of account takeover fraud and deposit accounts versus another consumer who's got outrageous risk of online card fraud and in some other types of fraud that may not even occur in FI at all. But the, but in any event, the FI is most likely through our product to, or is more likely through our product to be able to identify for any particular consumer, say you have this unique fraud risk pattern. And here it's different for, for like, say, a husband versus a wife versus a mom versus a kid, because it's everybody has a unique breach history. And then now let's go a step further. Knowing that you have particular risks, let's, do just, let's continue to be just like a doctor through breach clarity and say, here are the action steps you need to take that'll reduce your fraud risk. And here's the ROI-oriented clincher that people that work in banks and credit unions really need to understand. Since most consumer identity theft and fraud is in the consumer's existing financial accounts, it's not in new credit account fraud. Like that's why LifeLock has such significant limitations as a product. It's in existing financial accounts. That's where almost all this fraud is. So if we can get consumers to turn on the controls, the right controls, that the FI has already invested in, increase the urgency, and then use the breach clarity tool to actually just have them click a button to turn that stuff on and give them regular status updates that, oh, you just got breached here. That means you need to turn on this particular control that'll improve your safety. That's where the ROI comes home for like a, a bank or a credit union working hand in hand with a nervous consumer. Sure. No, I, I love that you kind of put this partnership at this central piece of this, the partnership between the financial institution and their uh, end users, their customers, this realization that you know they're both in it together. They both have this vested interest in making sure that the consumer stays safe and protected and that they can provide this service and um, you know, kind of reassure customers who are looking for this reassurance, this idea that, you know, I don't know how much of my information may be out there. I don't know which of the, you know, online orders I placed this holiday season are with reputable sources or how they're managing all of their data. There's so many different places where you leave a footprint online. It's obviously really difficult to keep track of all of those and understand where a breach can come from. And there's just this, this nervous energy that can come from that. So, you know, how does this process change as we look at individuals who've been exposed to breaches as opposed to organizations by kind of flipping the model and really looking at the individuals who have data exposed. How does that shift things away from how a lot of people talk about this, which is kind of at the organizational level? Yeah. You know, it's last time I was at Money 2020, which was of course a long time ago for the, for the most recent event. I went around and talked to every single, like what they call fraud analytics vendors and understand the people we generally sell to with our current product is a digital banker or a head of innovation. That's who our typical buyer is because our the current version of our product is available right now. It's being implemented at Baxter Credit and BCU.com and products like Identity Force and Easy Shield. 
That is a consumer-facing product that we sell to financial institutions, right? Heads of digital banking. But the reason I mentioned these fraud analytics products, and there's like a hundred vendors at, at Money 2020. There isn't a single one of those that says, let's take the totality of the, the, any one consumer's unique breach history, run it through an algorithm, and I, I know that doesn't those, those products don't exist because I had to invent one once I realized it didn't exist, and then say for that unique consumer, what's your your particular pattern of fraud risks that you face, and let's make it easy for you to do it. And I know I'm being repetitive, apologies, but let's because most of those actions can be taken care of by the consumer for free. You don't have to pay two hundred fifty dollars a year for it. They're the controls the FI already spent millions of dollars getting the consumer to try to use, and they're not using it. So that's, but that's the process that brings together the consumer and the FI. The FI rolls the product out within digital banking behind the firewall. Consumer logs into their bank or credit union, just like a lot of people call us this, free credit scores. We're like free credit scores but it's an identity safety score. And it says more than just a number, here's your unique risk pattern. And here's the things that are most imperative for you that we're going to make really easy to do through digital banking. Sure. And I mean, looking at it from that standpoint, you can see why financial institutions are so willing to engage. It makes a lot of sense. What about the individual users? You know, I I think you can imagine some users being maybe a little bit reluctant to engage with these tools. We know from experience that you can put a safety tool in front of a user that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to adopt it frustratingly enough for a lot of folks who work in fintech and finance. How are end users responding to this based on what you're seeing so far? Well, we're rolling out to two organizations in within uh, 30 days. So I mentioned Baxter Credit Union, and uh, then I mentioned the, the companies that are resellers of our product. They bundle it into uh, identity protection, which is something that FIs can resell. So consumers will have that opportunity. Now, what we see from consumers, this is a really important thing. I was just talking to our first client, actually, just a half an hour ago about this. And she said, the reason we bought your product is we have this persona that is it's always existed among our, our member base or customer base, but now it's so much bigger than before. And it's like the nervous Nelly. Like in COVID times, people are sure. worried. They're, they're stressed. That, that person has always existed. They're less likely to use digital banking. And then when they use it, they won't try anything new unless maybe their son or daughter, niece or nephew is around them to help walk them through it. And then they're always back in the call center. So the demand, we pulled, you're asking about demand. We pulled a thousand consumers and understand we're, we're former researchers that created this product. Everybody that's full-time employee is a researcher in, in our company. We pulled a thousand consumers and we found that the demand for breach clarity, when we asked gave people a simple one sentence description of, a, uh, of our product and we said, tell us how likely you'd be to use this versus free credit scores. We pulled higher than free credit scores. So think of us as having a higher or stronger demand pattern than free credit scores. And you know, just to put a, like a, a nail in this conversation, Everybody understands that people want to be safer, but now in in COVID times, more than ever before. So demand, very strong. 
Sure. And I think that's, I mean, nervous, worried, you could basically describe, I think most people's 2020 and it's not difficult to imagine that <laughs> yeah. carrying over into uh, the financial aspects of it. And also at the same time, we've seen a, a sort of mini fintech revolution here, people adopting new technological solutions what they were hesitant to before. And it makes sense that that would come with a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of this nervousness that you could easily imagine. So um, we're about out of time, but last question I want to ask you, you know, why is this a service that's best offered through banks instead of the direct-to-consumer model? That's a great question, Greg. It's for every dollar that a consumer loses because identity fraud and theft happened in their name, their primary bank or credit union will lose at least $10. We've seen that in data from research data because we ask bankers, how much does fraud cost you? And we ask consumers, how much did you end up paying? And that's after they spent all the time in the call center, whatever, trying to solve it. Banks simply have more to gain. But when both parties use it, it's, it truly is a win-win. And, sure. and that's why we want banks and credit unions to roll it out and guide them, their member to a closer relationship through breach clarity. No, I mean, as I said at the a little bit ago, I think the partnership between bank and their individual customers is what really is exciting about this. It's not difficult to imagine why this captured our audience at Finnovate West and why you guys were able to win best of show there. Um, for anybody who's interested in learning more about how the tool works or what it looks like, you can check out the video at finnovate.com slash videos. You can see their demo to our audience, uh, our digital audience, I should say. Um, again, the company is called Breach Clarity. I've been talking with Jim Van Dyke. Jim, thanks again. Really great conversation. Greg, really appreciate your interest and, uh, and thanks for hosting a great event online this year. Thank you. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>